have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson, and today I'm here with a new friend, Katina Horton. Katina is an author. She's a speaker. She's the host of Valley of Grace, Grace podcast. She's a Christian life coach. She's here to chat with us a little bit today about toxic relationships. That is her passion, helping women in toxic relationships reclaim their power and their identity. Katina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I am so glad to be here and I'm so glad to get to know you. We just met through a podcasting group that we're both part of. So I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit more about your story. Okay. As she just said, I'm Katina Horton and uh, I like to think of myself as having six hats, I would say, and that's author, speaker, podcast host, coach, course creator, and computer technician. Okay, and uh, with all of those different hats, though, the main thing is that I help women who are in their toxic relationships to reclaim their power and identity so they will know they are enough. Mm. Okay, and so to get to my story, at the age of eight years old, my parents and I moved from the project, so we were living with my grandmother, and then we moved to the far south side of Chicago. And this move was with the intent of having a better life, you know, and not knowing that um, this so-called better life was going to bring a lot of pain and trauma and Mm -hmm. turmoil. And it ended up being where I witnessed physical abuse in my home. And that was over the course of three years, because that's the length of time that my parents remained together. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, we moved when I was eight, right? So at the age of 11, my mom and I, you know, we took the bus home as we would always do, (laughs) took the cottage bus, uh, cottage girl bus home after she finished up work and I finished school, we would meet up, take the bus home, we get home and she put the keys in the door, opened up and our apartment was literally uh, pretty much cleaned out. And so, yeah, it was pretty much cleaned out my dad had left Mm. and it was without any type of warning. Mm -hmm. So that was also traumatic within itself. Yeah. So I had to deal with wounds of abandonment, rejection, uh, loneliness, and uh, not enoughness slash unworthiness. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then two years later, I was 13 at this point, I was standing outside of the church that I went to, the Baptist church I grew up in, and two teenage girls were, I was on the sidewalk, so I was a good ways from the side entrance of the church. Mm-hmm. They were standing right outside of the, the side doors of the church, yeah. you know, having a conversation. So one of the girls says to the other, oh, her mom is so beautiful. I wonder what happened to her. Oh my gosh. So, yes. So you can only imagine a 13-year-old girl hearing two other 13-year-old girls have this conversation, that added to uh, my banner because before I had a banner wrapped around me, you know, that said, I'm not enough for my dad leaving. Then you have uh, two more banners added, you know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not dark Mm -hmm. enough. And you figure, why would I say dark? Well, my mother was dark. (laughs) You know, she's darker than me. So by my mother being dark, Mm-hmm. In my mind, my child mind, I would say, <laughs> I had sure. to try to equate something, you know, that made us different 
from the, you know, yeah. the teenage girl saying what she did. And so uh, I walked around with that I'm not enough banner. Like I said, it just set me up on a course because I had mm -hmm. already uh, had those insecure insecurities and the wounds from my dad leaving. Mm -hmm. And so after hearing her say that, it was like pretty much kind of sealed the deal as far as me internalizing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Certain things I had already had issues with from him leaving. Mm -hmm. So I internalized those things about myself. I ended up... Um, during grammar school, I uh, competed in oratorical competitions yeah. and spelling bees and academic bowls where you answer all of these different questions. So I was constantly in different, uh, competing in different competitions. And it was like, I loved doing it. Uh, however, because of what was going on with my dad, like once he left, it's like I went from seeing him every single day to every several years at a time. Mm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so by me competing and me, you know, telling him about the different competitions, because, you know, as kids, you tell your parents what's going on in your world. Yeah. And the name of my grammar school was Donahue. And so, you know, his response, he said, baby, you put Donahue on the map. And so in my head, I equated that with, okay, so if I could just perform I could get his acceptance. You see what I'm saying? Sure. His love and acceptance. So it set me up on this hamster wheel of hustling for uh, his love and acceptance and going through that, like, please appease thing, you know, mm -hmm. especially with all of that trauma that had taken place. So it took yeah. me through grammar school, through high school with this, uh, constantly hustling uh, for self-worth and wearing my, as I would put it, I am not enough banner and clothes. Yeah. And, and the backpack that I had on was my backpack of perfectionism that mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. like uh, on top of all this uh, uh, masking the I am yeah. not enough. Yeah. yeah. And so it led me to date and then marry my ex-husband and that situation, uh, that marriage rather, it lasted for 20 years wow. and that ended up being an emotionally abusive marriage. Mm. My point of my turnaround point, I would say is, and I like to call it a be still a no moment yeah, <laughs> from, that's a good from one. Psalm 4016. Yep, yep. So my be still a no moment happened when my therapist suggested a three month in-house separation. Mm. Uh, yeah. For me and my ex-husband pending that both of us would be in therapy individually, you know, trying to get ourselves some help or whatnot. Her doing that, actually, <laughs> that be still a no moment led me to a come to Jesus moment where I had a revelation of what was going on and um, realized that what my part in the marriage, okay, what I was doing wrong and then the parts that had nothing to do with me, that mm -hmm. I had been walking around taking responsibility for. When I got out of that marriage, because that's what the Lord led me to do, even though the Lord had led me to do that, before that point, he had already said he was thinking about leaving. But uh, we was, had still been trying to figure out some type of workaround. But I knew that the Lord wanted me out, okay? Sure. And I began a 10-year journey, literally, of therapy, uh, talk therapy, plenty of mind, body, and soul work, 
mm-hmm. in order to uh, reclaim my identity in Christ. Yeah. And that's how, uh, through all of this, how God ended up leading me to write books and coach mm-hmm. women on trauma, identity, uh, resilience, self-worth, and that type of thing. And even like with coaching, uh, what we do, we start with troubleshooting the soul, mm-hmm. then we reveal the soul, and then we create new software. And that new software is a new mindset. Mm. So that's pretty much a snapshot. Hopefully it gave you an idea of my life story. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I hate hate what you've been through, but I love the way that you've turned it into a ministry Mm -hmm. and the way that you're able to help others um, overcome the ways that you've overcome and the ways that are going to be right for them to move forward. Exactly. Yes. Praise God. Yeah. So when we're in relationships, how do we identify if one is toxic? Okay, so if you are in a um, toxic relationship, there are certain things that are going on at the time, okay? And when you think of toxic, it's good for you to think of a concept of having a safe and an unsafe person, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the best thing way to look at it, I would say, is to say what, the, what a toxic relationship is. You're in a relationship with someone that's unsafe. Okay. And unsafe people... They want to control you. They want to take away your uniqueness and identity. Mm -hmm. Okay. They discourage you from getting closer to God. They isolate you from others. And they, there's a lot of things, other things that's going on. And then uh, a lot of the main things though, is devaluing, dishonoring and disrespecting you Mm -hmm. as not only as a child of God, but just an individual, as a human being. And so if you want to know, okay, so what is a safe person? It's the exact opposite of all of those things. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So when you've got a toxic relationship, it's a relationship where you got an individual, you think about if you end up with physical toxins in your home and you're inhaling all of that. Mm -hmm. A toxic relationship is a relationship where you are, a person is emitting emotional and mental toxins. They're literally bleeding out. And I like to think about the uh, example, use the example of, I don't know if you remember the cartoon Tom and Jerry. Yeah, for sure. I never had the pitchfork and uh, a lot of times Jerry would stick that pitchfork in Tom's bottom and have the holes and the water coming out as Mm -hmm. Tom's drinking water. So when you have, you're with the person that is uh, toxic they are emitting, you could think of that when I say bleeding out through those holes, mm-hmm. those toxins of emotional and mental issues that they have, it's just coming out of them. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So you're literally in an uh, unsafe environment. And what happens is in the beginning, when they meet you and they want to, uh, want you to start dating them, you know, whatnot, you enter a stage of love bombing where they lavish you with gifts, poems, cards, Mm -hmm. letters, calls, texts, emails. And you might think, okay, well, a lot of that is in a regular relationship. And that's true. But this is to the point of excessive. Mm -hmm. I don't care what, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not that much, (laughs) there's not that much, uh, not that many gifts going on in the world, like to the level that they do. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's over the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's along with like, I mean, you're just talking all day long to them. 
uh, way more than a regular relationship. And it's like these constant words of affirmation and to the point where when you look back, you will see that, oh, this, it was basically, they were worshiping you. They were putting mm -hmm. you on a pedestal. You know what I'm saying? You were like mm -hmm. their idol yeah. and you were put into a place that only God should be. And so with that intoxication, you get so wrapped up in it. Okay. From being love bombed. It's like you being put under a spell and you wanted to say, so what do you want me to do? You know how TV on the mm, movies, sure. somebody, you know how they do the pretend stuff and you, yep. you see the person walking. That's yeah. literally the effect that happens when you are loved by. So it's uh -huh. like, you can tell something, the energy doesn't feel right, but you are so intoxicated into it that you are not stopping to think like, should this be happening? Mm. So, and after the, the intoxic, after the love bombing and you're intoxicated, yeah it leaves you feeling shame, like you're in the Garden of Eden. So sure. it's like, think about it. You've been worshiped, you've been put up on there, but yep. something doesn't feel right. And it leaves you, mm -hmm. you know, with shame. And it goes from that love bombing stage to then having, going into what I call the problems and unhealthy patterns of behavior mm -hmm. phase. And then during that stage, you get the blame shifting, you got the gaslighting, you get guilt and obligation. You sure. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you get what I call the game playing. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about game playing uh, in that phase, it's when uh, I like to call it the, if you could just game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they'll say like, if you could just uh, change your hair, things will get better. Mm -hmm. Cause at that point it's just like, it's out of control and you are trying to get back to the beginning. But remember the beginning was being love bombed and right. then left with shame, but you want to be anywhere except for where you are now. Right. So you figure I'll try it. Then it goes, if you could just change your clothes, if you could just, you know, if you were just smart enough. So you just keep changing all these things, not realizing you are hustling for self-worth and you're never going back to a place that you want to get to. Wow. It's just a game. Mm -hmm. So you leave from that uh, unhealthy uh, patterns and behavior stage. You leave from that stage, you move on to languishing. And then when you're in the languishing phase, he's basically running away from you. You're running after him how would I say it? You end up compromising your values and beliefs because you're trying anything to keep that relationship going. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then what happens is there's what they call a discard where he leaves you. Mm. So that's pretty much that whole cycle of uh, being in a toxic relationship. Sure. But one sure. of the main signs that someone wants to know is that love bombing. So okay. if you feel like you under some type of intoxicating spell, you know, right then and there, sure. something's not right. Sure. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's listening and some of the things you just said strongly identify with them and they're like, oh, mm -hmm. that totally explains where I'm at. What right. are the steps that they can take to get out of a toxic relationship in a safe way? Okay. In order for you, like you said, they're listening, they realize it. they are still going to have to do uh, what I ended up doing, and that is to stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because nine times out of 10, and I've talked to quite a few women, you just, you go on like the energizer button. You just keep going. And you are thinking, if I could just find the magic formula, I can fix him. Even with having all of this information. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I know, I just got to find it. And you don't realize there is no magic formula. 
The mm-hmm. magic formula is stopping the chasing. Sure. You've got to stop what they call a toxic dance. You have to stop chasing. And then you have to take what I say, I like to call the be still and no moment. Yeah. So you can gain clarity and some wisdom and discernment there on what the next steps should be. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it also is a good point, good thing for you to do at this point to enlist a therapist sure. to help you in that process. Mm-hmm. But that's the beginning. You got to stop chasing. Yep. Go to the be still and no moment next. Yeah. And you are enlisting a therapist, mm-hmm. you know, to help you to uh, navigate the process. And then you also, another important thing is uh, prior to coming out, you've got to get your community set in place, support groups. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Support groups, community, and family members on board what it is that you you know what your plans are basically what yeah. you're going to do initially your thought is probably i can do all of this on my own mm-hmm. if you could do it all on your own it would have happened before mm. that point yeah the be still no more you see what i'm saying yep for sure and what tends to happen is the women will go right back they go back wow about seven times before they finally wow. pull out of it okay so that's why it's good to have all of this in place, all your ducks in a row, so to speak, mm-hmm. before trying to um, come out. You know, it's good sure. to have all those ducks in a row. Like I said, getting all that clarity, wisdom, discernment, yeah. the therapist, the support group and friends, yeah. Yeah. and then figure out, you know what I'm saying? You're kind yeah. of navigating how you're going to come out of it in the best way for you to come out because all that time you have been walking around in a state of what they call cognitive dissonance, which means that your values, beliefs, and uh, your true sense of self, you have basically like closed the door on those mm-hmm. because you closed the door on those because of the fact that keeping that door open would mean that you would have to do something. You know how they say you can't, <laughs> once you know something, you can't unknow it. So sure. you would rather like be in an intense sense of denial about it than to yeah. acknowledge what you're in because then you got to do something about it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And so yep. that's what the cognitive dissonance is. You've been gaslit for so long. Mm-hmm. And so then you start to close the door on all those things mm-hmm. in order for you to be able to survive and to continue in a relationship that you know is not going anywhere. And mm-hmm. has been making you sick from these toxins right? Um, all of that time. So I would say those things are necessary steps for the beginning of coming out of the toxic uh, relationship, you know, that uh, stop the chasing, be still in no yep. moment. Yep. yep. And then everything else that we talked about, that's yeah. the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a huge beginning. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And women don't realize it a lot of times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why do women enter into toxic relationships? You know what? It happens um, for several reasons. And one of the main things is that they're broken. Mm. But the type of brokenness is usually the same type that I had where you've got wounds of abandonment. Mm -hmm. And those wounds, or if it's not wounds of abandonment, 
is some other wound where it could be like what happened outside of my church, yeah. which added on to my what I already had going on. Right. You just got to have the right person to say something to you. And because mm-hmm. of your wounds and insecurities, you internalize it. Sure. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And then the I am not enough becomes your computer mm-hmm. operating system. Yep. And so then you you hook up with this person, you know, this handsome guy. A lot of times it's usually somebody that's super handsome that gets the woman. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you already thinking you're not enough. You meet this so super attractive guy, and then it's just like, oh, they're paying me some attention. You see what I'm saying? And you're hooking up with this guy thinking that in your mind, I don't deserve him. Wow. You know, mm. I can't believe he's like interested in me. And so then what happens is that you are expecting him to provide that enoughness to make you, to accept you mm-hmm. and approve of you. You see what I'm saying? Give yeah. you that stamp of approval, so to speak. But sure. when it's a toxic relationship, part of their brokenness is to try everything in them to not give that to you. Mm. So it's a sick, twisted thing. You're expecting sure. them to give you something that their brokenness is like, Mm-mm, I don't think so. Sure. I'm going to try everything I can to keep you down. Wow. As you're thinking, I'm going to bring you up. Right. You see what I'm saying? Sure. So you're hoping to like what you're deficient in, you're hoping to get that from that, that man instead of getting it from God. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So that's how they end up um, entering, you know, the toxic relationship to begin with. And mm-hmm. they don't realize their status that they're already enough. We already have that enoughness in us mm-hmm. from the full, from the very beginning of creation. We were already born with it because we were pre-qualified with Jesus' death on the cross. We just have not tapped into that. Sure. You see what I'm saying? That we're already royalty. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And we always forget that. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget. Yes. Yeah. So once one has gotten out of a toxic relationship, how do they stay out of toxic relationships and find a healthier (laughs) one in the future? Yes, you're right. Because getting out is one thing. Because remember, we talked about going back seven times Mm -hmm. before uh, finally staying out. And a lot of women, that's the case. Some get out and stay out. Because I like to say this when you think about it, and I've heard quite a few people say it too, when God has delivered you from Egypt, okay, you don't want to go back right. to what some, you know, the mess he's pulled us out of, Egypt slash pit or whatever, you know, each one of us calls it. The last thing you want to do is go back to that pit. So the way that you step out, um, you have got to be doing self-work. Mm. You see what I'm saying? You have got to do the self-work of healing. Mm-hmm. And while as you're doing the self-work of healing and grounding yourself in your identity in Christ, okay, that is when you will gain uh, another, you know, you get a different perspective. You've got your identity, which brings on self-worth because you see, okay, I, your value, you recognize I'm royalty. So that will force you to set up boundaries. So if you haven't done that, the work in that order, healing, grounding identity, self-worth, and then getting the self-worth and then having those boundaries to come on board because of it, you're going to be right back at square one. Mm. And I like to say he is healing identity, self-worth. 
that's, that's right. part of the self-work, right? Yeah. Which leads to you setting the boundaries. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because you're protecting your royalty status. It's just mm -hmm. like thinking about, you know, how you have like talk, they talk about uh, the Queen of England and all those different places, right? They have people walking around protecting. They have bodyguards. You see what I'm saying? But when we're royalty, we protect ourselves. We protect that value, that mm -hmm. royalty status at all costs. So you're setting up boundaries. You're not finding unless you're dealing with visitation schedules uh, and some type of drastic emergency with your kids, you're not finding reasons to be in some type of communication with your ex who was toxic. And when I say communication, unnecessarily meeting up with them to talk, calls, emails, texting, on social media, trying to see what they're doing, Mm -hmm. All of that, and some people might not like me saying this, all of that is just being nosy and hurting yourself in the process. Yeah. You're trying to heal. Yep. And those can just become, you know, that's when you allow like a spirit of distraction to come in. When you get caught up in that, and the mm -hmm. next thing you know, you end up being right back in it. Because remember when I talked about the love bomb? Yep. People who are toxic, we all carry around a certain energy. And people who are toxic, they carry that energy around. So just talking, believe it or not, just having a conversation on the phone, that voice can pull you in. Mm. Those text messages and emails, you see what I'm saying? And yeah. social media posts, that energy can pull you in. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize just how powerful it is. Next thing you know, you know, and what they, a lot of times what happens is the person, uh, you know, that was your ex is toxic. They will call you and they kind of fill you out to see. You know what I'm saying? Sure. As she really moved on. Right. And they know because if you're entertaining a two-hour conversation with them, you see what I'm saying? I'm you're, just you're saying. You're sending some signals you don't want to be sending. I'm just mm -hmm. saying, right. If you enter, in, entertain a two-hour conversation with them, that means that you are not fully ready to pull back. And in the beginning, it is going to be hard. That's why the women go back mm. seven times before finally finishing. That's why a lot of them do. Not every woman, but that's sure. why a lot. If you're coming up with uh, all of a sudden you got to talk to them two, three hours about your grown kids. And it's, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yep. You got to stop and ask yourself, what am I doing? You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And if yep. you're making up excuses just for some type of communication with them, that signals that mm -mm, I've got more self-work to do. That he is the healing identity, mm -hmm. self-worth. And then setting the boundaries, I got more work to do. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because once you do all of that, the he is, and then the boundaries, then you create new software. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. you realize that I love, I value, I respect, I honor and accept myself. Yeah. And in order for me to expect that to be reciprocated, I have to do it to me first. Yep. And uh, yeah, once you have, you think about it, you completely wipe out everything on a computer, mm -hmm. okay? That's like, that's our soul representing you. Completely wipe it out because it was corrupt. Okay. So the last thing you want to do is to <laughs> re-corrupt the whole operating system and have to wipe it out again. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So yep. that's what it's doing when you're re-engaging, you know, and people say, well, why would you have to, why can't you keep talking? It wasn't a regular situation. It was not a normal situation. Now, some people, they have, you know, relationships with their ex after it's over. You can't do that with the toxic ex. You cannot do that unless it's just dealing strictly 
with visitation like that. All of the specialists, they recommend no contact. And I promise you, there's a reason for that because mm -hmm. a lot of women end up with soul ties. Wow. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And you, so, you have to be weaned off like you're weaning off a drug, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Yeah. Wow. So talk a little bit about soul ties. What are mm -hmm. they? How do we identify them and how do we break them? Sure. A soul tie is what has been created. When you think about a woman having a baby, right? And then when the baby comes out, they always say you got to, you know, you have to cut the umbilical cord, right? Yep. So a soul tie is literally not wanting the cord cut mm. from the, the uh, relationship that you were in with another person. Mm -hmm. it's like never wanting that cut. So imagine that if you wanted to have that person attached to you and you know that the mother could die, the child could die. Right. See what I'm saying? Because of like the toxins and everything, right? Yeah. But that's, that's what it is with the soul tie. And you don't realize how bad it is until the relationship is over. Mm. So when you have a soul tie, you are literally, it's like, a person who was on drugs thinking about going over to uh, the drug pusher to get more drugs. You are literally, you see what I'm saying? Is you are literally like going through withdrawal symptoms sure. from the toxic person that you were with. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds like it's kind of weird, but it happens because uh, my therapist helped me see that there was no emotional or spiritual connection. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So that part, you're disconnecting. And even if there was a physical connection there, there's no emotional or spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. So your consciousness and what the reality of that is, what is, is not connected, that's off. And you probably started realizing it was off a little bit before the relationship ended. Sure. And it sets up confusion. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It sets so up confusion and a sense of violation within your body. Mm. So you are literally, like I said, trying to wean off of an individual as you would wean off of drugs. Sure. And uh, in order to be able to get rid of it, you have to be like that be still in no, mo no moment that I talked about. You've got to have a be still in no moment where it could be three years, four years, five years. You don't need to be in any relationship at all. And you have to lean in and feel those feelings, just like a person weaning off of drugs or alcohol, mm -hmm. you've got to lean in and feel those feelings of wanting to be with that person who's not good for you. Mm -hmm. Even though your head knows it sure. and your heart knows it, but remember the emotional and uh, spiritual side was not connected. And so sure. your physical side is what's desiring that mm -hmm. person. You know sure. how in the scripture it talks about the flesh worn against the yeah. spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Yep. That's what's going on. Mm. And that's what happens in a soul tie situation. It's really, I mean, it, it's no laughing matter. It's, it's, it's very intense to try to uh, get weaned off of that person. But mm. that's the only way I can think of is describing it. That person became your God. They became your drug. Mm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And because of the way that their brokenness is, their brokenness has actually intentionally set you up that way sure so sure. when they left you it's just like yeah I really didn't leave you <laughs> if yeah. that make any sense you see yeah. what I'm saying 
it just gets messier and messier. It gets messier and messier. You you say, man, what in the world did God mm-hmm. in heaven? What yeah. did I get myself into? Yeah. 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 So if we've been listening and we're going, okay, I need to do something about this. What are mm-hmm. some good resources where we could learn more? Okay. So good resources for learning more on toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of information on my website. Great. And that's the valleyofgrace.com. Okay. I have several blog posts and podcasts that are out there. Okay. And uh, like I said, you can go out there and read several of the posts. It talks about uh, being in toxic relationships. It talks mm-hmm. about uh, the cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. gaslighting, what that is. It talks about breadcrumbing okay. when you're going through the mean and sweet cycles. Yep. And uh, yeah, it goes into depths of healthy relationship versus unhealthy relationship and starting off like craving sure. and um, the good and bad of craving because we often think of craving as being unhealthy, but craving is what how God created us. It's what, how mm. it can go from craving to lust, that type of thing. Sure. So, but you can find all of that information on thevalleyofgrace.com Perfect. and then um there is more information in two books that I have out. One is called Broken Pieces. Okay. Uh, change your mindset, break unhealthy patterns and get off the mat and thrive. And the second book uh, that will help you is the m- my most recent book. And that's entitled You Are Enough, uh, Heal from Past Hurts and Reclaim Your Power and Identity. Mm. So uh, yeah, those two books will also uh, be very, very helpful. Awesome. Yeah. We will Mm -hmm. link to those in the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah. Katina, would you be willing to pray for us? I definitely will. Thank you. Cool. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all of the women and possibly men, Lord, that are listening in to today's podcast, Lord. We pray that something was heard that can be applied to their lives, Lord, that they would, their hearts would be so pricked, Lord, that they would have a be still and no moment to seek you for wisdom, discernment, for guidance, for direction on what it is they are in, whether it's a safe or unsafe relationship, Lord, if it's toxic, you know, and Lord, to give them wisdom on what it is to do if it is indeed a toxic relationship. Lord, we ask that uh, each listener would have just felt your spirit, Lord, during this Mm -hmm. uh, podcast interview, Lord, and they would have some great takeaways, if not for themselves, for family members, from friends, for coworkers, uh, for sisters and brothers in Christ and ministry (laughs) partners, Lord. We just ask... um, all of these things in your holy and precious name. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to minister and to speak to your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I feel like we could sit here and continue to chat all day, but I know (laughs) we've got other things. I I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got one final question for you. Sure. If you could be any inanimate object, what would you be and why? Oh, wow. You know what? The only one thing that I can think of, because my I guess my mind is not there, you know, I'm yeah, so like into, yeah, um, this information would just be thinking about a chair, mm-hmm. you know, 
Yes. Mm -hmm. And you think when you think about a chair, a chair is used to, you know, when you have a chair, uh, it can serve us for a lot of different purposes. And um, just sitting down on the chair, it takes trust. And you might think, no, you just sit down, it's fine. You can sit on a chair and you can actually <laughs> hit the floor. Yeah. Because you don't know if that chair is going to hold you up, mm -hmm. you know? And then when you think about the chair, um, you are also thinking about the different people that have sat in that chair mm -hmm. and have found comfort in that chair that um, they feel like they can just be at ease sitting in that chair, you know, mm -hmm. after like a, a, a long day's work and just, just be able to sit back, even me thinking about sitting back here and yeah. just relaxing, especially if it's a rocking chair, mm -hmm. you know, and like mm -hmm. the different uses for that chair that has gone down through generations, whether it's yeah. rocking your grandchild, reading to your children, mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? Rocking yeah. yourself to sleep or being on a porch yep. uh, and rocking, you know, during a hot summer day or that type of thing. So it's yeah. just, you know, being able to be that chair and uh, being part of the history of generations and generations. <laughs> I love that. And even if the chair you're sitting in hasn't existed for generations, the company right. that made the chair probably has. They probably and have. What other iterations of chairs have they made in years past? Yes. And they've got their stamp of approval somewhere yep. on that chair. Yeah. And you the, know, the I way, made it. Yeah. And you the way technology has advanced in the chair itself. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And it makes yeah. me think about the stamp of approval that God has already given us. Yeah. With oh, his son's good. death on the cross. You see what that's I'm saying? So good. That's so good. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And we can find comfort in him like the chair. <laughs> what a great oh, answer. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Katina, yes. thank you so much for your time today. This has been really insightful for me, really educational. I'm excited to check out more of your work to continue to learn. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome and have a blessed one. Thank you. There's a lot of hard in Katina's story, but there's also a lot of wisdom that has come from her hard story. And I don't know what parts of her wisdom resonated with you, but I know there are several parts that I need to go sit with the Lord on and wrestle with myself. So I hope that you can say the same. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're learning. I'm so glad that we're journeying this hard life together. I'd love to continue to connect with you. KatieAxelson.com is my home base. There is stuff that gets sent to our email friends that doesn't show up anywhere else on the internet. Email friends always know everything first. So if you like being in the know, KatieAxelson.com and pop in your email address. I'd also love to connect with you on Instagram. That's the day-to-day -day of life, where I can see what's going on in your life. Obviously, as you share it, I'm not going to be a creeper. Um, and you can see what's going on in mine, at Katie Axelson. While you're there, be sure to connect with Katina. She's got a lot of great wisdom on her Instagram as well. Her link is in the show notes. My friends, I appreciate you so much. I am so glad that you are here. I am so glad that we get to journey together, to grow together, to process our hard together, to learn together. Be sure to hit subscribe because you're not going to want to miss what's coming in two weeks. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.